You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Good evening. Thank you for listening to this week's Saturday edition with me, Charlotte Greenway. It's Friday the 28th of July and in this episode we'll concentrate on tomorrow's King George at Ascot before a quick look at Deauville's Group 1 on Sunday before hearing about a couple of runners at the Qatar Goodwood Festival next week. Starting with the King George, and it's an interesting matchup between the three-year-olds and older horses. Aidan O'Brien's Jewel Derby winner August Rodan heads the betting, and I thought an interesting place to start would be with Aidan's comments on the £11 allowance that the three-year-olds receive at this time of the year, and whether it's an advantage. Oh, I'm not sure there's any advantage really. It's, it's age is a massive thing for. Uh, Torbreds and and they they usually improve a lot from three to four. Uh, we would we would find uh, both physically and mentally, um, and like you can see rapid improvement uh, body weight and body strength uh, from three to four. So I think I think uh, you just need a very good three year old to take on uh-huh. the older horses really. So you don't th- you think the weight for age is what about right? You don't think it favours the three year olds particularly. I wouldn't think it does. By training horses, it, you wouldn't say that physically looking at them anyway, um, because they do make a lot of improvement from three to four, uh, a lot, and, it, and, it's, and it's consistent. We see it every year here. Physically, a horse will, be, will run a lot heavier at four than they will at three, um, and, and uh, everything about they're able to take more work um, at four. You know, So everything suggests that they are much stronger at four than they are at three. Unfortunately, Desert Crown won't be lining up after he picked up a leg infection this week, but his conqueror at Sandown, Hookham, will. Hookham is still a very lightly raced six-year-old and surprised a few people when he won that race at Sandown, despite the fact he's a Group 1 winner himself. He missed Ascot because Connections deemed the ground to be a little bit quick on the Saturday, but he's all set for tomorrow and I put a call into his trainer Owen Burrows at the beginning of the week to see how the horse has been since. Yeah, we've um, been very pleased with him since. Obviously a little frustrating that we couldn't run at Royal Ascot, but um, yeah, he, you know, he, he's a pleasure to train. Um, so yeah, it's all gone smoothly. Uh, so yeah, hopefully we'll have no uh, hiccups now over the next few days. And um, yeah, he goes there in good form. And Saturday, it's possible he'll be taking on the Epsom Derby 1-2 in August Rodan and King of Steel. Emily Upjohn, she's in there. How do you view the race? Look, it's you know, it's uh, it's probably one of the best King Georges there's been for for many a year, isn't it? Um, you know, it's, it's obviously from our point of view, it's a it's great to be involved in a race like this. Um, so yeah, look, at, you know, I'm looking forward to it, but it, it, it's it's going to be a, a very strong race, I'm sure. Who would you see as your main danger? I'll be honest, I wouldn't pinpoint one, to be truthful. I think, you know, obviously the three-year-olds, uh, you know, Rogers and Aidens, uh, with the way for age, you know, that they're, they're going to be a big, big danger. You know, I'm a huge Emily Upjohn fan. I'll drive won it last year. Um, 
you know, Westover, Luxor, you know, just the list goes on. You know, you can normally there'd be two or three you'd be wary of, but there's double that. So, um, yeah, there wouldn't be one I'd like to say is the main danger. I think they all are. And the reports out of the Stout Yard are that Desert Crown's come forward for his run at Sandown. Do you think Hookham has too? I'd like to think so, yeah. You know, obviously the pair of them hadn't run for near enough a year, had they? Um, so, yeah, I'd like to think that we would have come forward as well. So, um, yeah, it'd be, you know, be a good good rematch. But as I say, it's not, not just between them two. There's further rain due this week, which looks like it'll suit him better than it'll suit some of the others. And he could well go off favourite. If he does, do you see him as a worthy favourite? Look, you know, he, he's a very honest horse who, you know, was impressive in winning the Coronation Cup last year with sort of ease in the ground. Um, I, did, I read that his, his record on soft ground is, I think he's four times his three wins and he was third in the Hardwick um, a few years back now. But yeah, he, he's obviously shown a preference for a bit of juice in the ground. So look, if he if he goes off favourite, he goes off favourite. He doesn't know that. Um, so look, yeah, we'll obviously be interesting to see if it goes goes against any of the others. But um, yeah, time will tell. You mentioned his soft ground record. If it came up really soft on the day, would he relish it, or would he just handle it better than some of the others? Uh, look, I think, you know, he obviously handles it better than the, than a lot of the others. But, um, yeah, he, he does seem, you know, he, his, his win at Asuka in the Cumberland Lodge oh, back in 21, I think it was, you know, he... he uh, look, he, he was only sort of beating Group 3 horses, but he won it six, seven lengths, I think, if I remember rightly. And, you know, that was bottomless that day. It was a very, very wet day. Um, so, yeah, he get, he gets through it pretty well. Pile Driver took this race last year when Emily Upjohn and Westover both threw their chances away by running far too free early on. Pile Driver then wasn't seen again until Royal Ascot, where he won the Hardwick Stakes over course and distance. And Tom Stanley caught up with his co-owner, Roger Devlin, yesterday morning. And they started by reflecting on last year's success. Yeah, look, I think he was something of a forgotten horse, wasn't he, really? I mean, at one point, I think he touched 33 to 1. He went off at 18s. Um, all the hype was about Emily Upjohn and Westover, who I think he faces again, who are very exciting three-year-olds at the time. Um, you know, he's always performed well at Ascot. He's, he's, he's won uh, the King Edward VII as a three-year-old. Uh, he won the Hardwick um, a, a, a month ago. Uh, he's absolutely not ground-dependent. Um, you know, we uh, it, it probably feels like it might be good, good to soft on Saturday, but... Uh, he won first time out on a road in Salisbury and he's won on heavy ground as well. So um, um, we're, 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 I, I, would, I would say that we're hopeful rather than confident because clearly it's, um, uh, it's, it's a 15-strong field and um, some of the finest middle-distance horses in Europe. Were you surprised with, with what he managed to do last time off a break? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, William had managed our expectations quite well. I mean, I, I, I don't think he was any more than, you know, 90% fit. Um, I, I think I never quite understand the, the, the bounce factor, as it were, you know, when you run the second time after a long break. 
Um, but um, we'd absolutely be optimistic. He'll he'll give of his very best. He had a, a good race course gallop at Newbury a week ago, and um, uh, as I say, you know, the, the mood in the camp I think is, is is very hopeful. Whatever happens on on Saturday, Roger, just I don't know if you can sum up just how much joy the horse has brought you, but 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 give it a go. Well, look, I, 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 I think it's it, it's not just been a, a, a fantastic journey for the owners. I think um, all the credit goes down to William and the team of, of Jetter and Babu who look after him every day. Um, he's the first Group One winner for William, you know, who's been grafting away in the in the sport for crikey forty years. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we're truly delighted for for everybody at Linkslade and Lambourne. Um, for the success and, um, and 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 I think what's really gratifying is you know if you're around racing you see how pleased other trainers are to celebrate William's success. Um, so I, I think you know all, all the credit is is down to to, to the team at Linkslade and, and we simply pay the bills. Mm. Um, but no, I mean I think it, it's it's been a joy as well for you know ITV Racing have been very generous in their. Uh, coverage. He's become something of the people's horse. I mean, we all know that Coolmore and Godolphin have, have put um, great investment into the sport, and we should be eternally grateful for that. But I think it is it is very nice to see that you know you can risk five grand on a cover from Harbour Watch and um, and still dine at the top table. Uh, I mean, I you know look to give the soccer analogy um you know people probably possibly do get a bit bored with man city winning everything and and they take some pleasure in leicester winning the premier league as they did a few years ago and 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 this is probably the racing equivalent of that the race preceding the king george is the seven furlong heritage handicap and george bowie has baradar and spangled mac both declared so when i chatted him this week i asked if the intention would be to run them both yeah it looks like um with the weather the way it is, I'd imagine we'll see Baradar. Um, they may well both be declared. Um, Spangled Mac, another star Spangled Banner, I don't think really wants too slow a ground. He wheel spun in it last year and we've, you know, tried to keep away from that where possible. But Baradar's a horse who he's threatening to win one of these big handicaps and, you know, he very nearly won the Lincoln. It would have been a very short price in running and just didn't get home over the mile on, on very soft ground and, um, ran well in the Victoria Cup and then the ground was far too fast for him at Ascot and it was worth a chance but um, you know, if, if he gets a bit of ease in the ground I'd say he'd, he'd go there with a very good each way chance There's Royal Ascot form on offer in Sunday's Group 1 pre-Rothschild at Deauville as the second and third from the Coronation Stakes Remarque and Sounds of Heaven take each other on again while Duke of Cambridge winner Rogue Millennium goes there looking to bag her first Group 1, having got her Group 2 at the Royal Meeting. And her trainer Tom Clover spoke to Tom Stanley this week about how she'd come out of that win. She seems great, uh, Tom. I've been really pleased with how she's trained since the Duke of Cambridge. Uh, it was a huge thrill for us and uh, for all the Rose Gallery team to have a you know, terrific win there. And she seemed very well herself. So, uh, no, very much at the moment, all systems go for the Rothschild. Was this the obvious next step? Yeah, I, I think so. We sort of obviously dropped her back from 10 to a mile for the Duke of Cambridge. And, you know, they didn't go overly hard. We didn't feel, and, and she still managed to come from the way back to, to get up. So going to sort of a flatter mile, we thought made sense. And staying at a trip she'd won over, sort of, it seemed to fit. And, and timing-wise, 
you know, we just thought it was a nice, it gave her a nice bit of time between um, Ascot and, and the Richmond. So, sorry, Ascot and the Rothschilds. Um, so, <laughs> no, it made, it made sense, we thought, and uh, no, hopefully it works out well. Uh, Danny's going to ride again? Yeah, no, Danny's booked to ride, um, which is great to have him on board. Uh, so, no, terrific to have someone um, like him on top. And is it fair to say the start of the season, you might have thought it was more likely that this sort of time she might have a, a, a NASA on her agenda as opposed to a, a, a group one over a mile? Yeah, gosh, uh, we sort of were thinking she might get a mile and a half. Obviously, she won over. She won the Lingford Oaks trial over a mile three and she went, uh, we ran in the Oaks, which she probably didn't quite get home. And, you know, she ran um, well in the hopping stakes over 10 at Newcastle. And but she's just improved from three to four, and we felt she's got quicker. And certainly in her homework, she looked like she's quickened up. Um, so no, that was sort of a surprise when we sort of were thinking, you know, after after Middleton, you know, whether we we, we should think about a, a mile. I sort of thought that you know she was just shaping up with so much speed that um, or travelling well through her races. So it was worth you know saying looking at. We, yeah, I wouldn't have thought at the start of the year we'd be running over a mile anyhow. Before we go, a quick look at a couple of horses who look set to run at Goodwood next week. And we have to start really with star filly Highfield Princess, who ran not once but twice at Royal Ascot last month in the two sprint group ones and was placed in both. She looks likely to return in next week's King George Qatar Stakes. And here's what her trainer John Quinn had to say in a preview for the Qatar Goodwood Festival this week. For any yard, whatever size it is, Having a top-class horse it is a great boost for the yard, for the people who work in the yard, for the owners in the yard. You know, it is. It's 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 very important if you if you can get a top-class horse. These top horses have have a following. You know, people latch on to your top-class steeplechaser, your top-class hurdler, your top-class flat horse. So I do think she has a following. Yeah, in the King's Dancer and a mighty race, and then we left her down there um, to see how she was. And t- typical her, she seemed absolutely fine, ate up and. Um, she did lead out the next day, then she had a little canter on the Thursday, and then a lead out on the Friday, and she ran a mighty race in the Platinum Jubilee. We thought we were at the, wrong, the right side, but it, as because it, we thought the pace would be stand side, but the race evolved over there. So she was left on her own a bit, and she was in front a long way out, but still ran a mighty race. We were thrilled with her, really, to be placed in two group ones in four days. Last year we gave her a, mid, a, a mid-season break, which she did seem to enjoy. And we've done the same this year, but we thought instead of going to the Pre-Morris de Geest at Deauville, we would go to Goodwood. It's a, it's a very unique track, um, and she wheeled around there. We were a bit concerned with, would she handle the track, but typical her, she, whe- she wheeled around and ran a mighty race. I think Goodwood will suit her, you know. We always get her out early in the morning. She has her paddock up the back. She likes going out. She gets an hour out there every day, which I'm sure helps her. She looks after herself. She's a good eater. She's a good mind. She's not, she doesn't get too, doesn't get too fussed. She's the complete top-class racehorse, really. Finally, I spoke to David Redvers earlier this week about Kipco's sponsorship of the King George and afterwards got a quick line on Running Lion, who looks set to take her place in what could be the race of the meeting, the Nassau Stakes, as she could meet France's best three-year-old filly, Blue Rose Sen, Nashua, who fairly bolted up in the Falmouth at the July meeting last time, and Oaks winner, Soul Sister. Yeah, well, we're madly awaiting the, um, the reappearance of Running Lion. Um, she's she's currently still in the Nassau, um, and last time I spoke to John and Thady, it was very much their plan to go there. Um, 
obviously she we had a we started off the season looking like we have a potential superstar on our hands and then she's um something's frightened her at Epsom and she's kicked the gate and um run out backwards and then they've gone without her and then in France um we had a we had a, a an interesting circumstance where she ran no race at all but we seem John is adamant that he, he's worked out what happened and that she because of the carry-on in the stall although she's basically got the most amazing temperament and has never done a thing wrong they took no precautions with her in the Diane and she wore a hood and she wore a Monty Roberts coat but as you may remember it was um, the race was run just before the storm broke and it was unbelievably hot and humid and after the race she was panting like a dog and had clearly overheated and this is very much the Gosden team's view is that she um, she just basically got overheated at the start and couldn't run her race accordingly. But she's been pleasing them enormously since. But obviously the Nassau looks like an unbelievable contest again, um, not least because the Gosden team have half the, whole, half the field. But um, certainly the last I spoke to him, he was keen to go there and that would be very exciting to see her get back on um, on target. That's that for this week. Enjoy all the racing over the weekend and I'll be with you on Monday morning filling in for Nick as he enjoys his final day's holiday. We'll be looking back at the King George and also ahead to the Qatar Goodwood Festival. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy the weekend. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.